video is not not the answer it's kind of it's just a mechanism we really focus down on this idea of using it as a funnel piece so so obviously like i said it's about personalization hey what's going on welcome to the doug show my name is doug cunnington and you were just listening to matt barnett of bonjuro and Bonjuro is an app I've been using for a few years, but I've basically never talked about it. And I found out about this tool from Pat Flynn. I talk about him a lot. Um, and I think I saw Pat using the tool uh, maybe on a live stream or some little clip. I just saw him mention Bonjuro really quickly. And I thought, hey, that's a pretty cool tool. I'm going to check it out. And I've been using it ever since. I signed up basically right after that. And Matt will tell you about the tool a little bit. But let me just quickly mention how I use it specifically in my business um, almost every day. So the tool allows you to send a short video from a mobile app. They also have a desktop version, but I use the mobile app because it just looks and feels a little more authentic. So for example, if someone enrolls in my course, Five Figure Niche Site, I will get a little uh, notification and I will know that they have joined the course. Then I can open up Bonjuro. I can tell someone, hey, thanks for joining the course. I'm looking forward to working with you. I care about you, that sort of thing, right? It's very personal and it is 100% personal. I, I make it custom for each person and then I hit send it goes to their inbox and they can watch it. And it is alarming how many people reply back and they say, I can't believe you sent me a personal message. I've never seen this in any of the courses that I've taken. And I've taken dozens of courses over the years. And in fact, I can tell you that I've never, I take uh, quite a few courses as well. And I've never gotten that sort of personal welcome before. So it's very, very unique and it really helps you stand out. Now, obviously, a lot of a lot of the time, a lot of the episodes, we talk about affiliate marketing or SEO. And I'm not sure if you can, you know, use this tool directly for affiliate marketing. It doesn't really make sense in a, a general um, sort of case study, right? Or a general sort of uh, use case. However, you may get some ideas from this to do different things in a more personal way. And maybe maybe I could brainstorm a few ways to try and use this for like, uh, you know, some affiliate site type work. But off the top of my head, this sort of tool is really good if you have customers because then you can welcome your customers personally and individually and perhaps even reference some of uh, you know the information you may have about them based on the customer experience. And it, it's alarming how well it has worked for me. So anyway, I'm, I'm going on and on about the tool because I really like it. And I think if, if you are, if you happen to be a course creator like myself, this tool is a really great way to onboard your students. So I will stop here. Obviously, I, I like Bonjuro. Matt's pretty cool as well. Seems like a, a very nice down-to-earth guy. And I encourage you to check out just, you know, the documentation and, well, that sounds boring. 
check out the the homepage on Bonjuro and check out some of the case studies. You may get some ideas for some piece of the business of or some piece of your business that is. So let's hear the interview now. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project, and I'm here with Matt Barnett from Bonjuro. How are you today? Great, thanks, Doug. Got my coffee, so all good to go. Excellent. And for the people that don't know you, a lot of people may not have heard of you or Bonjuro. So can you give a quick intro about what you do and what the company does? Yeah, so I run Bonjuro. So I'm actually a product designer originally. So fan of the company, but I say cross product whenever I can. And I'm not doing day to day. Every other job needs to be done. Sure. Um, with Bonjour, essentially, we are a plugin for CRMs that um, prompts you to send personalized VM messages at specific points on a customer journey to improve conversions, activations, um, and advocacy amongst users, obviously, to grow lifetime value of customers. Awesome. And I, I'm a user of Bonjuro, and I became aware, I think for the first time, from Pat Flynn, and he's kind of, from from the beginning, that's how I got my start yeah. online. And I, I think I saw him using the tool as sort of an onboarding for courses, and I started using it for that specifically as well. And it's been huge for me, and like course uh, refunds dropped quite a bit. I think it's somewhere like 20 plus percent. Um, mm. And just the, the enthusiasm that the students have after I send them a personal message, which I do a hundred percent, like one-on-one um, a message to the person, they're, they're thrilled. So that that's how I use it specifically. And you mentioned, you know, a CRM plugin to help, Um, basically bring people through the customer journey. So it sounds kind of, it's pretty niche, I I would say. So how did this product come about? So look, so we we ran an agency and we're based here in Australia, which is the middle of nowhere. Um, And our clients were in the UK primarily. So we dealt with big FMCG clients. So UK, Paris, New York. Now, when you live on the other side of the world in the complete opposite time zone, then converting sales leads isn't the easiest. Um, so we decided, well, we actually, so we actually were in video tech, so we kind of understood the space a little bit. Um, and I started sending personalized videos to every single lead that we have come into our funnel. So we built a little hack. So I used to take a ferry to work, so I'd be on a boat, wind in my hair, couldn't really understand what I was saying, but you know, I'd see John from Ogilvy signed up, and I'd be like, hey, John, this is Matt here. And the Sydney team of, of the company was called Verbate. You know, we already work with Danone and, and Procter and & Gamble and, and Unilever, and, and here's some of the projects we've done. And, you know, I'd love to have a chat or come in and pitch you guys when I'm in London in eight weeks' time. And so the first piece of contact they had off me was that video. It was very casual. We kind of winged it, but it worked amazingly. And so we tripled our kind of conversion rate overnight. And the reason looking back with hindsight wasn't the fact that I was doing these videos. It was a fact that in a world where everyone was kind of sending out automated kind of lead follow-ups and, and trying to like get, get sales and demos straight away. I was kind of taking a minute out of my day to kind of connect personally. And so it was that time that I was giving up. Look, it, it was probably quite funny as well. It was quite unique. So it stood out, 
but it also got across my personality and they watched it and being creative agencies and creative companies, they were like, look, these look like guys that we should have a chat to at least. And so we started to book a lot more demos off that. Now, honestly, probably wouldn't have thought much more of it. Um, until one of those clients asked if they could use this, this video email tool. So this is two years ago and we were like, yep, go for it. And so we put them on it. It, I mean, it looked like a dog's dinner. It, it didn't, it, it wasn't built for anyone except ourselves. They managed to get it working and then lo and behold, one of their clients then came to us and asked if they could use it. And so, you know, talk about side hustles. One thing you shouldn't do when you're running a um, new business is start a second business. And uh, me and my CTO, I think we had, I think we maybe had like two more people come in and ask if they could use it. And we're having beers on a Friday and we're like, you know, we're going to need to build this. And so we built a very early beta version. We got it out. And then honestly, it just snowballed. And that company has now overtaken the original company. Well, it overtook it quite, quite a while ago. Um, to the extent that that's where most of the team, where 90% of the team now work on their day-to-day basis. Okay. And Verbate was an agency doing doing some work and it's still out there operating, but just smaller. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. It does video research uh, for, so it does video, video qualitative research. So it's talk about niche. I mean, look, it's, it's a huge niche. It's um, research. I'm not obsessed with research, uh, but we basically go and collect videos of people in, in you know, developing countries that come back of them product testing and using demos. So, it's actually a very different business model whereby you're doing sales and client development. Whereas interestingly, Bonjour is generally an inbound kind of business. We do a lot of affiliates um, of like marketing through affiliates as well. So you know, not only do we start a new business, we start an entire new business model, which has been interesting. I, I will say to the least. Sure. Do you have any um, like fun stories of mistakes that you made as you were, like transitioning and like running the two businesses at the same time and like moving over. Oh, so many, I think, I think, I think like, so you, so you come from the sales industry. So we were great. We were doing pitching. Yeah. So pitching to large, to large clients, long sales times, you know, six months plus, um, to get in there, very, very sticky clients, fading process. Bonjour, we had to go and build an inbound funnel. Now at the beginning, I'd still go and do a lot, a lot of sales calls. Um, in coffee meetings and in-person meetings. And what I learned is that it, it sounds brutal, but it's actually a waste of, of time for this business model. So we still do demos. We still do onboarding, but we do it all over Zoom and online. As you can see today, I'm at home before heading into the office like early in the morning for the States. Now, it actually allows us to get a lot more meetings done than we would do face-to-face. It allows us to hit the point quicker. We have clients who are moving faster and who purchase faster. Um, so at the beginning, we kind of like we we tried to shoe, shoehorn that kind of old process into the new business, and I, I mean, l- luckily we were getting enough inbound that was driving us ahead. But we had a real struggle try, trying to convert that way, and we were I mean running out of time. We were pulling all hours, and it was kind of killing us. You know, recently we went through a big change. We've we've actually streamlined operations massively, so that we now we can handle a lot, probably three or four times as many customers per individual in the company than we could at the beginning. And that streamlined process has allowed us to grow a lot faster, scale a lot faster, and it's reduced the stress of the team, which is which is great as well. Wow. And so just through streamlining the process now, was that just through iterating and seeing where the weak points were? Or how did you approach that like improvement and being able to scale to that many more customers? 
So a lot of iteration. Look, some will be product. So some is product development. So onboarding, the way we build the UX and the UI and learning. Some is our CS process as well. So how we do onboarding CS, where we take our time with clients. Um, some is about team growth as well. So we are so we're 12 people, but we're in six countries now. So we've we've taken the kind of idea of um of remote working kind of and then just kind of ramped it up. So again, being based in Australia, when our customer base is mostly states followed by Europe, this makes sense a bit as well. But obviously, trying to cover those time zones, we've actually found that we could be a lot more efficient working across different countries. So different people are awake at different times; they're refreshed at different times. They actually bring different industry knowledge as well. Um, you know, for instance. We moved all our supports. So our support is now in South Africa compared to um, Australia or the US, which is more cost-effective. It's a better time zone. We're able to get so much more experience as well. Um, so again, starting to look at the world as your playground rather than just your country, like I can tell you, it opens up opportunities you wouldn't imagine exist. Very cool. And you said you have just 12 employees, that's it? That's it, Yeah. Wow. Any like contractors out there, freelancers doing pieces of work or is it just the 12? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we have, we have, the, we have contractors here and there. Um, like our illustrator um, is a children's book um, illustrator based in Poland, uh, a mother of a couple of kids. So yeah, we, we, we do spend, I mean, one thing we do do is we do source our, our team and our contractors pretty intensely. Um, I think if you want to go lean, the key is to get, you have to get really good people in each role. And obviously you're looking for people who can fulfill quite, quite a substantial role with this kind of number of team members. Um, so rather than kind of doing things in-house and over here and maybe picking up people who are kind of like B's rather than A's, when you get the world, like again, you, you just find A players in their niches and it's far more efficient, you know, and you can start you can start freelancing, and then when they get up to speed, made that offer, bring them on full time. Gotcha. You know, or, or, or being a full time contractor. If you don't you don't have to go to that company, something else. If you want to do a full time contracting role, you still then involve those team members into team calls, into all the culture pieces. Like we fly our team together each year as well. So if you start to buy people into that, then they'll buy in anyway, and they'll give you more and more over time. Gotcha, and. It sounded like you had a co-founder with your CTO, I guess. And would you call yourself the CEO of, of the company or is there a title? Papa Bear. <laughs> so, yeah, CEO, I, honestly, it still doesn't quite fit. still fits weird with me because it, it still feels like like you're the boss. And I'm like, we're, 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 we're a team, you know? Yeah. It, well, and I was going to say, you know, I was doing some research ahead of time and people could go check out like all the team members on the about page. I'll put a link in the description and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm like shocked that the team's so lean. And I love that because I came from a sort of a corporate background where teams were big. You have a lot of waste introduced into that. Um, now it's interesting to me with 12 people, um, does everyone report to you or is there some layer of management that, uh, I guess reduces the number of like points of contact that you have to, you know, work with on a daily basis. Yeah. So we've started to bring in layers. Um, and obviously as you start to grow, you start to hire, um, kind of mid-level juniors as well. And we have, to be fair, we only have 
one we have probably one junior member in the team yeah and a couple mid levels and then we we, we we have hired mid senior so we tend to hire people who we can who to us are quite like us and who are kind of like on their journey at that kind of second third stage but aren't kind of set in their ways um in terms of reporting yeah we have some structure there we obviously work in teams so i kind of sit more on the product team um i have a great coo as well who's like my right hand man and having that kind of core teams we have a we have what we call a brains trust call once a week um which involves my head of marketing my cto my coo and myself so between the four of us we essentially make the decisions for the company and run the company and so that monday meeting it's quite strict it's about half an hour long and all we do is bring decisions to the table to be made so that could be anything it could be just a you know, should we invest in in this type of channel in marketing? Should we make this product decision? It's not really for chit chat. It's kind of just just to get the decisions made. And given the fact that we're in, we're in different locations, that happens every single week without fail. So I think as long as you have that core team around you, um, yeah, like as you grow, you do struggle trying to manage the team, and like like you need to put structure in place, you need to put hierarchy in place. You can't have a completely flat organization you know, yeah. past a certain number of people. Yeah. I think it's something like, or I heard once the optimal is like six. Otherwise at that point, it gets to be a little bit too many. So, it, you know, it's different yeah, I for think, everyone. I think tri- tribal sizes was, they, they, they go up in seven. So you kind of have like seven and then you hit 21. Then you go up to whatever's next. It's like 63. Yeah. yeah I think it's like three yeah. X. Like every yeah. time you triple it, it, you run into some network issues with the number of contact. I don't know all the science behind it, but I think we're talking about the same thing. So. Yeah. I mean, it happens. I mean, when, when you're in it, you see it and you see those breakdowns. And we've like, our biggest failures are probably being with team. Like we've had, we've had team breakdowns and we've had miscommunication. We struggle to find a way and a process that works across different time zones. Like, like, like remote working. I think a lot of people talk about remote working within the States and it's, it's still a level easier because you're on the same time zone. Remote working on completely different time zones is hard. Like it is hard. And when you have team issues, they are compounded because people can't just talk and you will have them because you'll have difficulties and you'll have challenges and you'll have miscommunication and disagreements. Like, like, I mean, that that's a healthy part of the team. Um, multiple time zones make it very difficult to manage. I want to go back to one of the things you mentioned before, I guess, before uh, Bonjuro came to be, um, you were making informal videos and you said you were on, you're on a boat or something like that. And I, I know that's definitely a contrast with the other marketers that were potentially approaching the, um, you know, the leads or the prospects or whatever they were. Um, is there anything, anything else that you think the informal approach like brings to the table? Like, why is it so effective? And I, I've seen it too, where yeah. like even a bad video that I do where the sound isn't great is so much better than like a, uh, template email. So what, what are your observations with this? Like say, like say the workplace has changed a lot and it's changing more. So, um, we say informal, yeah, really, it's just pulling down the barriers, uh, the, the corporate barriers that existed before. I think it used to be, if you go back, you know, 20 years, 30 years time, it was, you know, suits and ties um, for work and then you know, T-shirts for home and, and, and never the two shall mix. And that has changed. And you see it with our customer base. We have like so many of our, uh, like 
my podcasts are doing things that, you know, people are in their home. They're not in our office. They're not wearing ties. We do have clients in suits and ties. We, we do do corporate. Um, but even, even those guys, the, the, the videos they do that make sense, the ones when they're on the coffee meetings. And what it is, is it's not actually fundamentally changed. People have always liked people. Relationships have been key to why you want to work with people, why you want to go back. You know, you used to do it when you used to get the, to, to the, so you grow set every single day and you knew your name and knew your order and, and everything else. And then we've kind of gone online and we've, you know, a, 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 an online kind of forces barriers, you know, even more in the wrong direction because suddenly the, the, there's a physical like distance between clients and, and, um, and businesses. If you get back to the, inform, the informality and to the kind of conversational piece, you start to make bonds with customers again as people, not as customers, if that makes sense. I think people crave that. I mean, we are, we are, um, social animals, you know, we're meant to, we're meant to exist in groups we're meant to socialize, we're meant to talk. And, you know, in today's life online, that's harder to do. So when you do stand out, potentially this is maybe a, maybe this is a thing of, of the moment until it becomes commonplace right now. I think people crave that interaction. It's very different. It's not normal. Um, you, you obviously spending time with a client is therefore valued, you know, more than it potentially should be uh, because no one else is doing it. So yeah, break, break down barriers, take the ties off. But we, we see something like, I think it's something like 30% of our, of the messages sent on Bonjuro are sent on people's commutes to work. And so I find that fascinating because what it means is a fundamental shift in how people are, are going to and from the workplace. So they're, they're using the commute time for productive work. Whereas they would do it for reading whatever else before they're using that to, you know, connect with customers before they get into the office and become the office person. Um, and it's, it, it's just turning that journey into a whole different, you know, into like a, like a journey to work is now a journey with customers. Right. It's super interesting. Yeah. And people are on the streets, people are in caf, caf, cafes and, crossing the roads and having cars honk at them and stuff but it, it, it's, it's it's beautiful yeah it's it, it's amazing you look at that and you're like this is this is back to real life yeah it's funny you mentioned that so i i work from home you know so i walk the dog every morning um so usually uh, my dog georgie ends up in any of the bonjouros that i send and people People really appreciate it because it's like, hey, you're out on the walk with me this morning and I show her on the camera and whatever. So, yeah, very, very interesting. It's, it's all personal. I, I love it. Um, so I know obviously bon- Bonjuro started from a pivot. Um, where do you see like whatever you can reveal? Like, where do you see Bonjuro going in the future? Like videos becoming obviously more and more prevalent, super important. Um, I've shifted a lot of my stuff over to YouTube, um, just in general, but yeah, what other, what other stuff do we have coming from Bonjuro? Yeah. So, so at the core of it, you hear me say this, you know, again, again, it's like, I, I don't think it's about video. I think video is a medium and video supports what it is that we're doing. So what we're doing is basically encouraging people to spend more time with customers at the right time. So I think, you know, if I look at, look at our business, we say that we have made operations very lean. We've reduced, you know, we've put automation in, but the automation is there to reduce the jobs that I don't have to do so I can do the jobs where, where my time is important. And that turns out to be a lot of time spending that time on, on customers. Even though we have a, like a pretty huge customer base, 
if I spend a little bit of time here and there at the right time, that's valuable and that helps us convert and retain clients and, and hence reduce churn, as we were saying. So where I see Bonjour going is into a system that helps you predict when to plug that time into clients. Now, we'll offer communication tools. So yes, video, of course, you know, we're expanding our, our video capabilities into screencasting and, and, and into other areas. Um, but I don't think it has to be limited to that one medium. I think whatever medium works at the time, as long as you can show that you're there being personal and thinking about the client and giving them real value. Now, obviously, that could be, like, uh, like, that could be text. It could be, you know, blogs that are c- catered towards individual clients in some kind of way. Um, right now, we're focusing on building essentially a campaign engine that allows you to run an onboarding campaign or a retention campaign or a conversion campaign that's a little bit smarter about when to talk to certain clients. You know, one of the things we do is off off CRMs and mailing lists and off lead forms, we actually pull information into Bonjour so we can tell you what steps that client has already done. So when you're sending a message, you can personalize it to them. And so again, a little bit more smart around how do we help people do the personalization thing at scale? So, so you never have to spend more than 30 seconds, but in that time, you can make each piece of content genuinely unique to that individual. So really it's that engine. And if we can crack that and it's not an easy thing to do, it's, it's quite a large thing. We see us as kind of the, the kind of human layer that sits on top of all these other systems that kind of generally purely do automation. And so you've got your automation that runs, which is super important. And then you have us for these high value touch points that again, increase, you know, the lifetime value of any client, whether it's say having them stay longer, having more than convert, having less than lead, having more than turn to demos. That's where we come in. Got it. Very cool. And to that point, um, I'll point people towards like some of the use cases that you have on the website, but is there like some particular use case where someone used Bonjoro in a way that you had no idea that it could be applied to? I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot. I mean, I mean I, the most common use cases is converting leads. If anyone wants to use it, that's kind of where you start. Um, I see, so we have a lot of charities using us. Um, thanking donors. E-commerce is pretty interesting. We see people basically using it to drive um, trust pilot reviews. So it's pretty specific. Yeah? It's post-purchase and they're using it to basically move their stores up into the kind of number one place on trust, trust pilot, which is generating new traffic that comes in. So using it actually to, to grow the business is not about conversion or activation. Um, we have universities that use it to offer places to students where they have lecturers and deans sending out offer, offer letters and attached to the video is the letter of acceptance. Um, don't know where that came from, but it's, it's, I mean, it's crazily effective. It's, it's probably our most effective use case. Oh. I was chatting to one of the universities and they were like, you made us a lot more money than what, than what we paid you. <laughs> and I was like, should we put a price up? He was like, um, not, not for us, but you, but you probably should. <laughs> um, but again, but, but, but if you look at it really, but if, so I look at that use case, like, I'm like, honestly, that, that, that's still conversion. You know, it may be university, but that's their conversion funnel. So we're still, we're still technically doing, I think everything still falls into conversion activation and growth is the whole super fans advocacy piece, much harder to measure, but there's a piece there which says, you know, if you delight customers, if you take time with them, they are going to talk about you. They are going to stay around longer. They are going to you know, take those steps towards becoming a super fan. Pat 
is extremely good at that and has a methodology, it's harder to measure because it's not like it, it becomes a, a, a direct conversion and a direct bottom line the next day. I think advocacy is one of these things which is very hard to get your head around correctly. But if you don't do it, you're always going to be selling. And if you do it rightly, then you get a viral growth engine. Very it's it's so interesting because um yeah like everyone's like i want to scale i want to automate there's all these tools but as soon as you take yourself out of it then uh, we kind of look like everybody else with the, i mean we're all using the same marketing tools and we've we've read the same books and we have the same ideas but when um yeah like when i'm out walking the dog like no one else could do that specifically yeah. so all right. And it's, it's brand as well. I mean, your brand is you with the dog. You know, that's not my brand. You know, our brand is, is, is you know, Australia and Bursuits and going as well else. Yeah. Like the easy way to do brands are not logo. Brands kind of an ethos and the people behind the business. Yeah. And the easy way to differentiate yourself is to get your people out in front. Yep. You know, that's it. Yeah. So is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you or any, anything else you want to mention uh, before we jet? Any difficult questions? I mean, um, I did. Okay. I, I, I just thought of one. Yeah. When we were chatting beforehand, people don't know this, but we were chatting beforehand and I was like, oh, that's not a gotcha interview. And, uh, Matt was like, Oh, come yeah. on. I'll take, I'll take whatever you could throw at me. Okay. So I know in the, like, you know, the marketing world, there's a lot of, uh, not necessarily, actually there are copycats. So I imagine there are competitors for Bonjour, although, Bonjour yeah. was the first product of the type that I ever saw. But since you've launched and got a lot of traction, have there been some competitors that are, you know, doing interesting things? You don't have to mention them here, but if you want to, you can. I'll mention. Yeah, go ahead. So we weren't the first. Hands up, hands up. Yeah, like there's a company called Bomb Bomb who were there before us um, quite a few years before. We didn't go out and copy them. We, we, we fell into this by accident. So I, I think when you see copycats, if, if, they're, if they're pretty soon something big, then yeah, they're a copycat. Sometimes, like, honestly, it, it's a case of people come up with the same ideas. And when you do a new business, I can promise you someone has tried it before. Whatever you do, you know, and, I know I, I, and I've been through a failed startup that somebody in the States told me they tried to build and they told me why it would fail. And I was like, whatever, I'll do it. And then, and then it failed, you know, as it does. Um, so bomb them tend to be focused down on real estate. But uh, one thing I said was that, just doing video messages, I don't think is enough. So BombBomb have kind of built this out into basically like, like a real estate CRM where they're doing a lot of video, basically video email platform. They're going into kind of a MailChimp email system. You know, they're doing kind of like generic messages and everything else that they go out. That's great. We've got Loom who do obviously um, screen recording. Um, those video tends to do a video suite for kind of larger companies so generally kind of sales funnels and larger companies like HubSpots and stuff um where we come in again and i think all of us have gone it's not video is not not the answer it's kind of the, it's just a mechanism we really focus down on this idea of using it as a funnel piece so so obviously like i said it, it, and video is the medium i think videos is bucket where everyone's gone oh you're a video company i'm like you, you, you don't tell mailchimp and you know, and Intercom and an ad, ad campaign that 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 they're words companies. You know, like again, video video is just a medium. Yeah, we're not YouTube. We're completely different. Yeah, like that, that, that's content to share. So, start getting away from the idea of thinking video is a box. Video is a medium. 
millions of companies could use video in a million different ways. What you're looking for is where is it just beyond, obviously, messaging. And with us, we really, really focus on send a personalized message to Jane in Orlando at, you know, the second that she puts her credit card in or the second that she starts to, you know, become a lapsed user. Whereas other systems tend to be like, you can use videos to send them whenever you want to, or you can send screencasts whenever you want to. We're very much like a part of your funnel. And so maybe one of the hard things to get around is the idea of having a task list where basically if you're plugged into a CRM or a Patreon or something else, every morning you come in and there's like, and there's 20 videos there to send because something has happened in the funnel. So, you know, we still do automation. We automate that part of it. Um, yeah, like try, try out other tools, play around with them. You know, start, start, start using video regardless. If you're not using video already, start using it. The good thing about using something like a one-to-one messaging system is that it will train you quick. You know, when you've done 50, 100, I think I've done maybe 15,000 videos. Honestly, you, you just don't care anymore. And that's beautiful because when you then come to do podcasts, or you come to do YouTube content, or you come to do meetings or anything, you're just kind of pre-trained. You know, it, it will come like, you know, you watch any, you watch any sci-fi film, Blade Runner, you name it. And when everyone comes to the door, when everyone's having calls, it's always video chat. It's always like, like there is no such thing as phones anymore. Like, that day will come when we just get rid of doing the audio, because why would we? And people go, oh, I get nervous in front of the camera. And I'm like, we don't get nervous in front of me when we're having a coffee. Like, what's the, what's the difference? Right. It's so funny you mentioned that. Um, I Probably the first 10 or so of my uh, Bunjuros were, they were a little rough, but now, like, it's autopilot. I could be, you know, it's still a personal message, but I could be thinking about yeah. the grocery list or whatever else is going on. Um, cause I've done, I've done probably it's, it's just a drop in the bucket compared to you, Matt, but I think I've done maybe 400, something like that. So yeah, that's, that's still, that's still a lot of, a lot of videos. I'm not our biggest sender. We have, we have customers who said more than me and I'm like, how do you do it? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's something like that at machines. Um, but Hey, you know, like, again, like, like even doing, even doing one a day, it gets you over this this false idea that, you know, you're not going to find a video. It's like us here. This is a video. It's just me having a chat to you. If we're in a coffee shop, it, it'd be the same. You know, that, that's a bit, I, I still struggle with what, what I had people not realize that, but, but it, it, it's, you know, you are changing behavior. It's changing human behavior, which is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's a big hurdle. I mean, I remember my first uh, YouTube videos also, I was like super nervous. They're still out there, you know, if people want to go check them out. Um, But yeah, I'm like scared for some reason. And it was, it was literally me (laughs) in a room by myself, no reason to be scared. Uh, But yeah, now that I've done a few hundred uh, other videos, then it's just whatever. It's fine. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of other uh, things to be scared of. So. (laughs) <laughs> definitely if you get get on it try it out jump on the bandwagon it's gonna happen anyway so right. very cool all right matt anything else um look i've got one we, we, we have a tagline uh i think it's pretty good though um i think when you're thinking about things like this when you're thinking about scaling your business and you know do get your operations lean it is a much better way to grow we always say um automate processes but never relationships 
And so I think that that that's the key. If you can do that well, so take out the processes, because that's the stuff you don't need to do, and focus on the relationships with team, with customers, with partners, if you take investment with investors, if your affiliates with your affiliate um, uh, groups, focus on those relationships, automate everything else. You do that and you'll grow a lot faster, but it's hard. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And for uh, people that want to connect to you, I know I'll send them over to uh, Bonjuro and they can see uh, a lot of the, I guess, the, the tool in general. They can see the about page. Um, is there anywhere else that you're like active and you want people to follow you? Honestly, just email me. So matt at bonjuro.com. If you sign up, you'll get a video from one of us anyway. So you, 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 you'll see it in action. Uh, awesome. But just email me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not much on Twitter. I'm just on video. Okay. Yeah. I don't do Twitter. I can't keep up with everything and yeah, it's no good for me. So pick your medium, pick your medium. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks Matt. Really appreciate it. And everyone go check out Bonjuro. Thanks guys. Thanks a lot to Matt Barnett of Bonjuro and the whole crew over there as well. So I didn't mention it before because I was rambling on as I do. Um, but the reason why I wanted to try Bonjuro is to help people, help students in my course actually start. And there's a, there's probably a lot of psychology uh, involved in this, but my sort of thought is um, if they see a personal welcome from me, right? They see a personal welcome from me. They know that I am like invested in them, like trying to start doing the coursework, right? Now, of course, right? They're paying me to take the course. So there's some, it's not completely altruistic, right? Like I, I, I'm doing, I'm selling access to the material and people get, get to email me directly and just work with me directly and all that stuff. But there's a decent number of folks because it's hard to start anything. You know, there's some sort of, uh, like just if you're, if you're not making any progress, it's easier just to be complacent, I guess. And once you get used to making progress, you kind of get addicted to doing projects and being busy and doing work. And a lot of people um, find themselves in that situation as well. But the point is, by sending that video message, I was hoping more people would start the course. And if they are starting the course, right, if they can get to lesson one, if they can get to lesson two and complete unit one and just get things done, they're more likely to continue on with the course. I mean, there's part of it that is like, if you, if you're like trying to accomplish something, you're going to try and complete it. And my goal is to help people get started. And once they get engaged, uh, the framework, if I may say, is pretty solid in the five figure niche site course. And I know that it works. And I know that if people put in the time and they go through the lessons and do the work, right? It's not easy. If they go and do the work, they're probably going to be successful and they won't ask for a refund. So when we get down to it, I'm trying to reduce refunds by helping people start the course and actually do what they want to do, right? Again, it's not like it's altruistic. It's not like I'm not making money because I'm selling the course, right? I obviously get that. But at the same time, there's a piece of the puzzle where 
you know, if the student knows that I'm engaged with them, right? I'm, I'm working with them. I want them to work on the material. They can contact me, right? That is a big piece of the value of the course. There's tons of content out there, right? I have hundreds of videos on YouTube, a lot of other blog posts and just information. And I'm sure all of it in some form or another is out there. However, you can't just email me and ask me a question and have me, you know, look at your site or look at a review or something like that if we're not working together and engaged in some sort of a, you know, student teacher um, capacity. So with that said, that's why I used, and that's why I'm using Bonjuro. And I saw roughly, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I have some amount of refunds uh, per like 100 students, right? Maybe I get 15 uh, to 20 refunds out of 100 students or something like that. And I'm just making up those numbers, but it's in that ballpark, you know, 20%. And basically, after using Bonjuro, my refund rate went down. And I have a very, very generous refund policy. I believe in the, you know, the course material and the framework so much that the the policy is actually you know very much in favor of the student. So as long as you give it a shot um, and, and you're not you know taking advantage of the policy, usually you can get a refund. So anyway, that is why I started using Bonjuro. And on top of that, like it's a really cool way to be onboarded into a course. Um, I mean, I've started jobs where I got like less FaceTime than some of my students get. Um, when they enroll in the course. So that is sort of the idea behind it. And, you know, as Matt was talking about, um, they're trying to develop ways to integrate this into a sales funnel. So, you know, it's not just for onboarding, but the use case that I have as a course creator is very common. The application is very straightforward. If I'm selling a course, I probably have a platform and I'm on video already. So this is just an extension to connect even deeper with um, the students. However, if you are, say, running an agency or something like that, you may be able to send a you know video message at the sort of, let's say, for example, the end of a contract, right? So let's say you have a six-month contract going and you're coming up on five months um, and you want to renew, you want to make sure that the client is going to renew. You can you know, do a bonjuro, give them a little heads up, let them know what's coming, or perhaps, right, maybe it's sort of a recurring automatic um like six month renewal, you can hop on like five months, uh, once five months has passed. And then perhaps you can let them know that the the charge is going to come through, right? You don't want them to be surprised and then ask for a refund later. And additionally, you may be able to upsell them like, Hey, um, you know, we had you on this gold SEO plan. We have this platinum plan. We should talk about that. If you want to, you know, step it up for the next six months, something like that. And I'm just making it up off the top of my head. But I'm sure if you look at the, you know, if you have a full sales funnel, for example, you probably can look at different touch points. You could look at like where you're losing customers, where you potentially have an opportunity to make sure the customer is engaged. So just a couple thoughts off the top of my head. And Bonjuro does have a lot of case studies and they have 
use cases for you know different types of users. So definitely check those out. And I will leave it at that. We're going to be a little short for this episode, but thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.